0: you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me. And I absolutely stinking love you for it. So, with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Tuning in to the Who You Know
1: and Doctor Rowe Show segment. Good morning, Doctor Rowe. How are you today?
2: Good morning, Trevor. I am phenomenal. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. No sound effects, but I'm awesome. I'm feeling
0: it. Could you pass me the eggs real quick? Just pass, pass, me some eggs. <laughs> you need um, some eggs? Yeah, we have the breakfast table, man. So I need yeah, I need some extra eggs. you need some hot sauce?
2: We can yeah, give you, you a little eggs. Hot sauce on it's it. Bacon, Glenn. That's fine. We'll do it Kentucky style. Thank you. Yeah, hey,
0: Glenn, what eggs. kind of hot I like sauce that, you Dr. like, I'm all, I'm all about that. Um hot sauce uh, we my my stepdad makes the hot sauce he make he makes it makes it from scratch it's the best oh
1: okay, all right well, I like of Louisiana that's
0: sauce. my jam
2: yeah, speaking <laughs> of hot sauce, we have a phenomenal guest who is filled with not only the hot sauce for finance and business. She is amazing. Trevor, you are just going to be so excited. And I'm thankful to my friends Marquise and Trust who introduced me to this phenomenal woman. She is not only an author, but she is a business strategist primarily in finance and helping people with mergers, including helping Warren Buffett with A merger that was done. She is also Harvard trained, a graduate professor, and I am just so thrilled to have us welcome Dr. Cos Henry. Could we all on mic? She prefers to go by Dr. Kaz, so can we all on mic and just give her a warm breakfast of champions? Welcome. Welcome. Welcome,
0: welcome. Welcome, welcome, to welcome. BWC.
3: Welcome, welcome. How you
2: doing, guys?
3: Thank you very much, it's a joy to be here.
2: Yes, we are so thrilled and excited to have you and anyone with your type of insight is always welcome at the Breakfast of Champions Millionaire Club breakfast table, so thank you so much. Dr. Katz, I know that you have accomplished so much, but before we dive into it, I have to ask, can you tell us something about you that most people may not be familiar with who know your work already that is such an
3: interesting question most people don't realize i don't think in english i don't count in english i don't function in english it is a foreign language i acquired partway through my life but i've learned to navigate it without anybody else noticing that in my brain that whole process of translation is going on
2: that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for that. And another thing is, what made you choose helping companies develop effective financial strategies as an initial profession?
3: Well, I would venture to say it's not a profession I chose, the profession chose me. As I went through my education and got my uh, undergraduate degree, I majored in computer science, math, and physics. In my part of the world, you need to have a triple major. And I entered the international finance world through banking and developing financial technology. So the first job out of college as the forerunner of Bangalore University computer science students is to actually build an international trade finance and treasury platform for a British bank. And so here I was 21, walking into an organization as a management trainee, straight into management, and working with men twice my age and teaching them technology and building a platform. And it's the bank that realized I had people skills, I had business skills, and I was able to influence people to drive results. So they moved me into mainstream banking and into international finance and treasury. So the profession chose me, and I have been open to the universe. To me, the most important thing is, Mother Nature serves up everything we need. Just be open to the universe, and the universe just invited me here. In.
2: I
1: love that. Oh, I got a little echo there. Um, so I got a question for you. What was it like working, uh, with uh, Warren Buffett? Tell me about that uh, experience. That that sounds like a lot of fun.
2: It was. Warren
3: Buffett is nature to acquire a business, put the people in charge to do the work and step aside. One of the good qualities of an exemplary leader is to choose the right people and get out of the way, right? So he lives that. And when he bought Duracell battery from Procter & Gamble, he assembled the team, put the team in place, and he allowed everybody to do their thing. And we reported to him, gave him updates, and he had feedback. And just like that, he empowered us to go and do what we needed to do.
1: Wow, that's, that's amazing. I think it's all about the people, right? Uh, I have another follow-up question to that. It's something that happened just, uh, I think, yesterday or the day before. Um, there's a company out there. It's called uh, Better.com, and I don't know if you heard about it. It's kind of been all over the news uh the ceo uh fired like 900 people on a zoom call um and it's kind of been all over the news and you know a a company's all about all about the people right and so i don't know if you've heard of that uh or or saw it on the news um but i'd love to hear your your thoughts on that or your feedback if you did hear about it
3: I am very big on treating people right. It doesn't matter what the underlying business is. We're in the business of providing goods and services to people, right? So in one way, shape, or form, we're all in business with people. Martians are not coming is what I always tell my clients. Under Martian comes we are all we have, and how we treat our employees affects the morale, it affects the bottom line ultimately. And when you don't treat your people right, the remaining people are not going to be in a comfortable, psychologically safe space to innovate for the company or drive results for the company or improve process quality or customer service properly, right? So my, my concern is that the damage done by that kind of impersonal almost callous way of downsizing may be necessary, but there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. Right? And there is a right time and a wrong time to do it, and to do it just before the holiday season, and to do it that way doesn't seem right.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly baby. Baby. Yeah, I got a little echo here. Um, they said that, um, they said the CEO said, if you're on this call, you're part of the unlucky group that is being laid off. Uh, your employment here is terminated effective immediately. And he had 900 people on this Zoom call. And uh, so anyways, I was just curious as to your thoughts, if you'd heard about that. But yeah, I didn't, didn't like the approach, right? I think it could have been done differently, right?
3: Everything can be done differently. I have been in positions where I've had to downsize, but the way to do that is don't destroy the person when you execute a strategy, right? Just like when we discipline our children, we are not telling that the child is bad. We are saying here is what you need to do differently. And why not tell people, here is where we are as a company. Thank you for helping us. We are going to help you transition out, but we can't continue on as a company with all all hands on deck. But we're going to count on you at this point of exit, and we're going to stick with you to transition you through into other careers. There is a right way to do it.
2: I am so thankful. Okay, before I speak again, let me just um, um, say this really quick, Dr. Koss. When when someone is speaking, I know you're kind of new to um, Clubhouse. If you mute your mic, like just touch the mic, it'll close it while we're talking and then the echo won't come. Okay, thank you so much. Alrighty. So um, I'm so thankful that you just said that so many companies, small and large, sometimes treat individuals Uh, less than human, and then we have lack of humanity, and um, we see the results of what Trevor was talking about, so thank you for that. I'd also love to know, what is the greatest lesson from your Harvard training um, that you learned, that you bestowed upon your clients that you can share with us?
3: the most important lesson as part of the leaders of learning program was to understand that the physical and the psychological environment we create is going to determine how conducive learning is going to be and we can't take an environment physically or otherwise that is closed off that is punitive that is psychologically not safe it is not going to allow learning to happen because a negative space is going to push people into a survival mode and in that survival mode it's a doggy dog survival mentality right so how do we create spaces physically and otherwise to embody the right attitude and the right safety so that learning can happen and that learning can be applied right learning is not just absorbing content learning is about transforming our thinking and then translating that into action and how do we create that environment in the most conducive way so that innovation happens and sustainability becomes the norm
1: yeah, I love that. You have to not only take, uh, not only learn, but you've got to be able to take action, right? Because without action, you're not going to get any results. So I love what you said there. Uh, I've got a question for you because you work with a lot of um, a lot of big companies, uh, helping them, you know, with their with their financials and things like that. Uh, what are some mistakes that new companies or or midsize or even large companies, for that matter, make as we're trying to grow and scale their business, what are some mistakes that really destroy them financially? Um, you know, on the PL statement, what, what are some things that they're doing wrong uh, as they're trying to scale their business?
3: One of the biggest mistakes people make is forget that it's the people who make their business successful. People in business tend to chase money and not grow people. And my, my cautionary guidance to everybody is take care of your people, your people will take care of your process, your customer service and your innovation and the money will come. Money, financial indicators are lagging indicators. At best, the results you get is 35 days too late after the month is over, right? So we're in the beginning of December. We won't know the financial results of December until 5th or 6th of January. And you can't drive a car forward just looking in the rearview mirror because financial indicators are what you see in the rearview mirror. You've already passed it. So how do you run a business looking forward and guiding it towards its success with all the changes that are coming at us every day if you're only looking at the rear view mirror. So people and people-related analytics are our leading indicators, business process and customer service indicators are real-time indicators. Integrate all of that. And when you do that right, the money comes. But if you put the money first and you forget the people, then eventually it's a death spiral.
2: Oh, wrap
1: on all of that. I got to tell you, it is all about the people. So I have a question for you, a follow up on that. Um, have you heard of you know this great resignation? You know, due to due to COVID, there's a lot of people that are not going back into the workforce for multiple different reasons. So if it's, if a company is all about the people, but they're having a hard time bringing in the right people, what should a company do? to help attract those right people into their company.
3: I'm so glad you asked that question, Trevor. The recent research shows that employers and employees both want one thing to feel comfortable to engage, and that is empathy. Empathy is not something we can teach people. People either have or don't have. And most of the people who have exited the workforce are moms. Think about the work a mom does. She wakes up in the morning, gets the house ready, food cooked, cleaned, kids ready, take them to school. A mom's work is never done and never paid for. The woman of the house, her work is never done and it's never paid for. On top of that, she has a career. And with COVID, people didn't go into work, work came into the home. So all these years we've told people, when you come into work, leave your home behind. But when business came into the home, expected people to leave their home behind while we are inside their homes. Right? So you have pets, you have children, and you have things to do, and 24-7 if you're available in the business world for conference calls and other things based on different time zones, Why not be open and accepting of those competing priorities? Why can't a woman take a call while cutting vegetables or folding clothes? Right? Because if she doesn't do that, then she's going to stay up all night and doing that and never be ready for work the next day. So the lack of understanding of the role of a woman and the burdens placed on women. And with COVID, mothers also had to be homeschool teachers. So how do we help organizations pivot and understand women have a larger burden on their plates the way society has been set up? And how do we... How do we respect that? How do we value that? And how do we bring that into the workplace? Because without women, the leadership is going to be only masculinity focused, right? The femininity traits are also important in a workplace. A balanced leadership is what's necessary to thrive. So how do we bring that balance and how do we build empathy? So that we have a caring, compassionate environment that is flexible. If you are not flexible, you are not scalable.
2: You got so much. Many people believe that empathy doesn't matter in uh, leadership or in business, and they say, you know, it's not about that. It's about the money. What do you say to those people? <laughs>
3: I chuckle when you ask that question because my entire life, I've been told I'm too kind and too empathetic to be a finance executive. I became a young CFO at the age of 32 in the United States for a Fortune 500 company for one of their divisions. And I've run a $22 billion pension fund here in Chicago. So when people tell me that, I
4: always laugh and say, Hey, listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day.
3: Hey, you know what, let's unpack that for a minute. You said, I am too kind to be a finance executive. The way I look at it is I am a human being who embraces my humanity. I just happen to be a finance executive. The flip side is, I'm a finance executive who happens to be human. That is not even a plausible statement until Martians come down here. So we're all we have. And I am human. The sooner we accept that, the better it is. And you wouldn't want to be treated inhumanely. Why should somebody else be able to
2: settle for it? So yeah, I'll, 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 I'll,
1: Oh, sorry, there's an echo there. Go I ahead, don't. Dr. Rose.
2: Yes, I absolutely concur with that. And my uh next question to you kind of falls a line on the finance part because I know that, you know, finance do matter and, and money does matter in a company, so there's a balance of both. But can you share with us one of the main issues you contend with that companies practice that truly destroys them in a financial way?
3: <laughs> yes. A lot of times people tend to think of finance as debits and credits and black and white, but it's larger than that. Just because your business is doing well and generating profits, doesn't mean that profit is sustainable. So I will draw your attention to the subprime crisis. Every financial institution was making so much profits and all the investors were rushing into putting money into these financial institutions, nobody stopped to ask the question, is this profitability and is this revenue generation sustainable? And what is the long run effect of it? If you follow Warren Buffett, he will tell you, he is not a fad guy. He will not invest into things and exit things for short term, long term. Pick the right companies, stay with it for the right reason. Right? And that's how he grew his entire fortune. So, the experienced business people will tell you. Don't go in and out based on what the profits are showing. Ask if the profit is sustainable. Are we doing things right? Are we innovating? Are we building a sustainable business or are we profiting because of the toxicity we are introducing and in the short term, until people notice it, we can make a profit. But at the end of it, we are not going to even be around. So we look beyond the numbers, look at how the environment, the market, the uh, entire stakeholder group is being impacted, and a business ultimately sits in the environment. Um, we we talk about triple bottom line in business. The business's financial profit is only the inner layer. Surrounding that and enabling that is the social aspect. Is the society thriving. Because if the society is not thriving, you don't have a consumer base, customer base to buy your goods and services, and you don't have an employee base to draw from. So any organization that's destroying its society around it is almost like a virus, killing its hosts, and eventually it will not have a host to live in, right? And the outer layer, or the third most layer, and the most important layer is the natural environment. If the business is creating circumstances where the natural environment is being unstable, the the viability of humanity becomes questionable. So when we think of long-term value creation, the sole goal of a corporation is long-term value creation people invest money in a company for long-term results not profits for today or tomorrow so the most critical thing a business has to do is balance its primary goal of long-term profitability on behalf of the investor so they are the principals of the company and then people running the company are the executives and the employees They're agents They are working at the pleasure and for the benefit of the shareholders, and they are the ones who benefit from short-term profits. So how do we balance the executive team and the employees' need for short-term profit and the company's very viability over the long haul? And understanding those two and finding that right balance and upholding governance. Governance is a regulatory requirement for corporations, and also government, for that matter. Governance is all about balancing the interest of the individual, society, and the organization. So think of it as a three-legged stool. Unless all three legs are stable, not broken, and of the same length and the same strength, that stool is no longer viable. Anytime we compromise the interest of either an individual, an organization, or a society, that system crumbles. And so when we look at the financial piece, we look at the governance, we look at the sustainability, we look at the long term, because it's not just today. Are we setting it up for long term viability?
1: Wow, Wow. I got to tell you something. So I feel like I'm taking a master class right here. Like there was so much knowledge in what you just shared. Um, I could see how that may feel um, overwhelming to someone who may be thinking about starting their own business. Right. So for somebody who is brand new to to entrepreneurship or, or a business owner, and they're just thinking about dipping their toes in the water. What advice would you give to someone like that to, to maybe help them get started or, or help them realize that maybe it's not the right move for them? What, what, what advice would you give to someone like that?
3: I love that question for many reasons. One of it being we are moving away from an employment economy to a gig economy with COVID, COVID accelerating it and that's why a lot of companies are downsizing because they can plug and play experts when they need that skill they don't have to carry it in payroll so it is going to be a time of a lot of people entering entrepreneurial endeavors and america was built on the back of entrepreneurs right one of the you know, people who have made america possible are the entrepreneurs so my my advice is always get a coach because what you're going to be doing is what you love and what you are good at right are you making sure what you love and what you're good at the world is ready for if the world is not ready for it it's not going to drive your economic engine for you to economically succeed with your purpose three things have to come into play you have to love it you have to be great at it you have to be better than the average bear and it has to be something the world needs there has to be a market for it right so go through the process and find out exactly what you're doing and how you position what you're doing in a way to drive your economic engine and do the do the study to figure out through observation and other tools how do you present it to the world in a way that the world sees the value and wants it will purchase it will engage with it right so that's the first step A lot of people start businesses without thinking through the business process, the long term strategy, and the financial piece. And the biggest mistake almost everybody makes, including medical doctors, is they don't set up a separate legal entity to carve out the legal and financial liability. Don't ever start a business under your name and commingle with your household stuff. Because if anything goes wrong in the business, people can come and take over your home, all your personal wealth. Always carve out a separate legal entity and protect what you have built for your life from the business so once you have a separate legal entity and you have a business that is purpose driven including what you love what you're great at and what the world needs then know your weaknesses and strengths none of us can do everything even if we can do everything there is not enough hours in a day so who is going to be your core team how is the team going to come together and get a coach even michael jordan has a coach right when we are in a situation we can't see the whole picture because we're too deep into it and a coach is somebody who can watch out for your blind spots and who will continually develop you and keep you agile and continuously pivoting so those would be the three pieces of advice i would give for somebody starting it's a fun fun opportunity right so jump in and take it but take it with mindfulness
1: Oh, my goodness. goodness. I hope everyone is taking notes. Uh, Again, like this is a masterclass right here. Uh, I do want to comment on something you said about, you know, the gig economy and and companies doing plug and play. And and really, I I remember before COVID, they were saying that the average tenure on a job was around three to four years. What do you feel um, or how should someone who who maybe is not that entrepreneur who's not that business owner to give them some some job security because if companies are going towards plug and play and they're just hiring on contracts and things like that like how does someone get security you know, the, the old days when you used to get, you know, put in 25, 30 years with a company and you got the gold watch and the pension, right? Those days are over. So how do we get a little bit of job security? What, what advice would you give for someone to do that?
3: That is a really tricky situation, right? I hear you. I totally hear you. I come from Sri Lanka, from South Asia. My parents work in jobs where they're retired. Even in my part of the world, that's not possible anymore. And the Millennials and the Gen Z's are dealing with a different reality, right? That's why they have no respect for authority. They watch their parents give everything for the business and then get downsized. They were never home, they were always working. So the generation we have raised is a reflection of some of the business decisions and how it affected their parents, right? My best piece of advice is have something outside of your day job. Have multiple streams of income, preferably a mixture of passive and active and build your brand. People forget that their name is their brand. When a person's name is mentioned, it conjures up emotions. It conjures up how we engage with them, right? I mean, just before the show, we we were talking about the one word. Each of our names conjures up a word or a group of words in people's minds. Build that brand, build that reputation and then leverage that reputation to have passive and active streams of alternative income. Never put all your eggs in one basket. That's financial diversification 101, right? So in my case, I teach, I write, and I left the corporate world just before the subprime crisis. And I've stayed out and I've done consulting work and I've gone in as interim CFO to drive change. So I had to figure out how to do that. And coming from Asia into the United States, in the US you can fire people at will. It's employment at will, right? You don't even have to explain to somebody why they're getting fired. So in an environment with the public policy of no employee protection, in a country where people vote thinking that regulation is bad, in a country where people think protecting employees is bad for the economy, then we can't cry when it's our job that's downsized, right? So sometimes it's... Have you heard the quote from uh, Gandhi that talks about what you believe is your destiny? What we as a society believe becomes our thoughts translated into our words enacted, becomes our values, and they become our destiny. So if we collectively as a society believe protecting the worker, is not capitalism then this is the situation we've created right so we have a personal responsibility to protect ourselves and have multiple streams of income but i also believe we have a collective responsibility to protect our workforce because fundamentally the blueprint of capitalism which adam smith gave to us in 1776 talks about how the worker is the true wealth creator. Wealth is created by taking a raw material, adding value, and turning it into a finished good. So when we sell raw material, we make low profit. When we convert it to a finished product, we make higher profits. Workers are the ones creating that wealth. Investors are giving the seed money, and they are growing their wealth. But money alone cannot create wealth because money is not to be eaten, lived in, worn, nothing. It is a medium of exchange to create value. And any society that doesn't value their workers are getting into a death spiral. And capitalism cannot exist without regulation. So the blueprint for capitalism is labor on one side, people with capital on the other, and regulation acting as a referee. I always ask my clients, you've been to Chicago, Chicago is my hometown, imagine a Cubs and Sox game without a referee. A crosstown game is gonna be brutal even after the game. People getting into each other, right? Physically, physical altercations happen. Imagine the game without a referee. So regulation is like the brake, you will never buy a car without a braking system. You can't drive a car just hitting the brake continuously. How do you hit it to get the right protection and safety for your people? But then how do you take your foot off the regulation or the brakes so that the automobile or the business or the economy can move forward? That right balance is important. And we can't forget that the public policies we allow to happen in a democracy is ultimately our destiny
2: amen, amen. Dr. Kuss, I um, definitely concur with your sentiments completely and as Trevor said that's a this has been a master class all morning just listening to you and how you have uh, laid out these strategies so thank you so much one of the things we do here in Breakfast with Champions is talk about motivation, inspiration, and education. And you are all about that. So I'm just wondering who exactly inspires you on a daily basis to continue doing this work that you do from a financial and business perspective?
3: This question always tugs at my heart. So thank you for asking that, Dr. O. To me, my motivation is the everyday Nameless, faceless people who get up and do their thing, and are able to have kindness and empathy and help other people thrive. Why do I say that? I am a child born in the middle of a bloody civil war. I was a refugee child by the time I was in my eighth grade in my own country. I left home at 16 with my siblings because they wouldn't let my parents leave. and went from Sri Lanka to India and I worked and raised a family and put us all through school and that's when we switched to English. So, having had my life experience, what I have learned through my childhood is people in power and people in position want to protect it. It's the everyday people who have the ability to be kind. And help somebody else's child, help somebody else with their problem, they are the ones who make this world a better place. So, even in my book, I dedicate my book to those everyday heroes who made my life possible. And to me, it's watching those everyday people tirelessly holding on to faith, holding on to their families, doing the right thing, and making time to care about somebody else. They are the ones who motivate me.
2: That is, so, that is awesome. so awesome. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that with us. And we encourage everyone to have that same inspiration that you do. Speaking of your books, I know you've written a plethora of them, and the latest being Ennobled for Success. Tell us a little more about the premise of Ennobled and what readers can expect from this masterpiece. Oh, you have to unmic. Sorry. Sorry.
3: My very first lesson in life, and thank you for that question. My very first lesson in life was realizing that there are only three things that matter. Completely coming to terms and understanding who I am, because in the midst of chaos, I need to be able to understand me. and draw from within right so understanding me and having a relationship with me is important because the most important relationship i'm going to have for the rest of my life is with me so i need to understand my very being my soul my very essence and then i take that and channel into what i do and what i do is guided by my relationship with my maker and the outcome of what i do is guided by the positive impact I make in the lives of others. So those are the three principles that I have taken through life, who I am, my relationship with my maker, and how I touch the lives of others. Because at the end of this journey, right, it doesn't matter what my hair looks like, how skinny or how pretty or how tall I look, I don't get to take any of that with me not even my bank balance. The only thing I take with me, only thing any of us take with ourselves at the end of this journey, when the soul leaves the body is how we've touched the lives of others, good, bad, indifferent, right? So to me that matters and that is the thrust of the book. The book is about how do you connect with your being and build that relationship that you need to have to have a life of peace and prosperity and how do you channel that soul that being that understanding of who you are and then embody that in what you do so I never introduce myself as Dr. Cass Henry and I do that and I do this because that is what I do that's not who I am So I tend to introduce myself as I am pastor Henry and I believe in building to last and ennobling for success. And these are the things that motivate me. And then people say, oh, but what do you do? Right? So the book talks about the importance of separating them and being true to who you are and getting them. Bonding with yourself, because if we don't have a relationship with ourselves, we can't have successful relationships with anybody else. The journey starts from inside. And how do you take that journey? And how do you find inspiration and gratitude along the way? And every chapter is dedicated to a kind, ennobling soul who's made my life possible. And ennobling is about bringing out the noble qualities in us. It's a word from the days of Aristotle, by the way. So how do you ennoble lives so that lives are successful and lives are connected to their soul? And that is the premise of the book, and the book gives blueprint and some guidance on how each person can build a life worthy of their maker and still thrive in business because they're not incongruent.
2: Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Kass. I appreciate you answering that question. And before we open it up to the audience to ask you any questions or make any comments, I'd love to know how Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Club can support you.
3: Wow, that is such a thoughtful and fine question. Thank you for that, Dr. L. My word for 2022 is an oboe. We are living in a day and time where everybody feels left behind, everybody feels let down, everybody is in a stressful environment. And the only way we get out of this is supporting each other, lifting each other up. And folks talked about abundance and precision and all of those other words, right? So how to bring that about is my goal for next year. And I am launching two masterminds. A emerging leader mastermind and an experienced leader mastermind where we are helping young people getting out of universities, young people trying to get their first job, young people in their first job trying to figure out what do I do next with everything else going on around me. How do we help them and guide them and bring the experienced leaders to shape their journey. And in that process, we as experienced leaders transform ourselves and lift each other up. So that is the launch that I'm planning already underway. And if we can help anybody, if anybody has young people who are looking to enter the work world, anybody who's in a place where they would love to step in and enable the young people and in the process, enable themselves, I will invite you to come into my community Uh, You can find me on my website, www.kashenry.com. And join our community. Join our community and take the journey because it's going to take all of us to make this better next year. God knows there's so much struggle. There is so much stress. And if we don't address it, it can turn negative. And let's lift everybody up. And that's my ask. Help me build the community so that we can help each other.
2: I love that. that. Definitely definitely
1: going to help me build build that community. community. You got a little little, uh, background there. Could you mute real quick? Oh, there you go. So, absolutely love that. And I will help you. Okay. So, I'm the host of the Who You Know Job Networking Show. And uh, I definitely can bring uh, some visibility to that. Would love to to help you with that uh, to build that community. Um, One of the things that I I wanted to uh, touch on is you had mentioned. Um, the younger generation, right? That's part of your mission is to help them. Um, My audience, I have a a big audience of, you know, senior level executives and people that uh, are dealing with a pretty big issue, which is ageism. They're facing a lot of ageism in the workplace where it's harder for them to get back to work. It takes them longer. Let's just put it that way. It's not that they can't overcome it. It's just, it takes them a little bit longer because they're dealing with some Uh, some ageism issues. People are looking at them a certain kind of way, right? Um, Do you have any feedback or thoughts on that for someone to try to get back to work who might be a little bit a little bit older?
3: Yes, and that is a common phenomenon. I get calls from 50-somethings and mostly Caucasian men trying to figure out what do I do next because they've been in a place where things came naturally and when they haven't struggled getting to that point then struggling later life becomes very challenging right because they're not resilient to deal with it so some tips when you write your resume make sure how your email and some of the other information you're reflecting is not reflecting your age we can always look at a resume and tell the age of the person based on their email domain
2: yeah, a-
3: yes, do not. If you have an AOL.com, go get a
1: Gmail. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. I know what you're talking about. Well, yeah. I appreciate you so much. I've just been in the back here, just like, I got to have you on my show. Let's let's make that happen. Uh, I think we can uh, we can shine some light on this and uh, really serve a lot of people. So let's make that happen. Um, Dr. Rowe, what do you think? We should do some Q&A now? Will we have a few more minutes?
2: Yes we have about uh, let's say seven or eight minutes before we transition on time to the next speaker um, So if people would like to ask questions of Dr. Kass, um we have the hand raiser open you can also um, click on that as well Oh I'm sorry it's not um, so hang on let me open it back up if someone wants I know to just-
1: Ramon Ramon had a question in the back chat so Ramon if we want to hand it over to you first I know you had a question uh, for Dr. Koss. Sure. Thanks. Thanks so much, Trevor. Dr. Koss, your session was absolutely amazing. I just wanted to sit at your feet and learn from you for the next 24 hours. Amazing. And my question, Dr. Koss, you mentioned multiple revenue streams. Um, Can you talk about the aspect of uh, revenue streams where you're not trading time for dollars? I noticed for your own revenue stream, you mentioned coaching and consulting and things of that nature, but are you doing anything or any advice for us just on how we can have multiple revenue streams, but we don't have to necessarily move our mouth or move our bodies, but to do something like that in your experience. And again, thank you so much. What a powerful session. Thank you, Trevor and Dr. Rowe.
3: so much for that wonderful question. I appreciate that. So there are passive income streams that will work for you, right? So one of the things that we do as a finance and treasury person is making sure that the money sitting in banks are working for us. So rule number one in finance is don't work for the money, let the money work for you. So even the money you have, how are you managing it? Is your money multiplying while you're Sleeping, right? So, first thing is every financial institution has an investment manager, and they can't charge you to look at your life expectancy, where you are financially today, what your retirement requirements are, and give you a financial plan. They have to give it to you for free. It's part of what your financial institutions do. So one of the first things I did is sat down with two or three different financial uh, managers, financial planners, and looked at the entire portfolio, including my life insurance and all of those other things. People forget that benefits at companies are not tied to us, they're tied to the company. When we get downsized, our life insurance goes away. Okay. So have we invested in everything to make our life sustainable? And is our money working for us even before I look into anything else? So I have set up a life insurance policy that also pays for my uh, later life health care and home care. You can live on a million dollars in retirement, provided you never get sick. Your health care needs are going to be two to three million in retirement. Okay. That's the US statistic. So how am I making allowances for it? So I invested into a life insurance that has the healthcare right so if I got cancer, if I got hit by a car I cannot work, it will pay out for the rest of my life and pay out for home care including portability into a foreign country because if I don't retire in the US and I am in another country then that caregiving would be covered by my life insurance Okay, so that's important people also need to remember when you have a child, that's the time to buy a life insurance for that child because that money will grow and allow that child to get an education, that money is withdrawable, there are different types of insurances you can get, and the right kind will give you the opportunity to have a nest egg for your child from the day they are born, and it's the cheapest premium when the child is young. The older we get, the premiums are higher. Okay? So that is one. Don't just count on your employer's life insurance, get your own. Because when your employment ends, all those benefits end. So that's one managing your existing money and then also working with a financial planner because we have so many things to do. I'm in the finance world, but I won't have the time to diligently manage my money and do everything. So I picked the financial advisor I am most comfortable with and my family is most comfortable with because if anything happens to me, the rest of my family is not very money savvy compared to me because this is what I do for a living. So I make sure whoever I pick, my attorney, my investment person, and my accountant are all people my family can trust and they will be there for my family. So I choose those three people very carefully because they lay the groundwork for my financial stability and legal stability for the family then i go into what are the passive income streams writing books and publishing is a passive income stream because royalties keep coming i have a podcast and one of the things i do as an alternate stream of income is teaching and i look at teaching as more than just paying salaries i teach u.s military public safety professionals as well as business people those relationships are so enormous and so lasting if i teach them right and i build the right relationships with my students that that is a gift that keeps giving over and over and over again for example, I went into Chicago Teachers Pension Fund as an interim CFO because my students who were sitting on the board wanted me to come and clean house and modernize the pension fund. You don't, I don't put a monetary value on my students and my teaching, but when those kind of rewards come, the opportunities are endless. So relationships are another huge piece. If you have money, invest in a property, Airbnb it, So start looking for ways that are modern, that you can use technology and leverage technology. And then layer in some of your skills so that your brand and your skills are also staying current and staying polished. So find the right mix. Make your money work for you. Have passive streams and have active streams to build your brand.
2: Does that help? It does. Thank you. you. Thank you so much for answering, taking the time to answer those questions. We have time for maybe one more, maybe two. And I did bring someone up from the stage, but I don't see them any longer. So if you want to flash your mics, Trevor and I can identify you, you can definitely ask Dr. Casa a question while you're here.
1: Flash your mics, flash your mics, flash your mics.
2: I can't see, I'm going from the bottom, Trevor. I'm sorry, okay. And then I'm trying to bring up uh, the two, the uh, queue, but it's not uh, acceptance. I don't know if there's something wrong with the um, with the uh, app right now, but it's fine if it doesn't. Okay. I just
1: brought up uh, Remy. Good morning, Remy. I saw you had your hand up. Did you have a question for Dr. Koss?
4: Good morning. No, I did not have a question. I was actually just having my hand raised from earlier. On, but um, I'll I'll think of a question. Um, Dr. Kass, thank you so much. I wanted to give a comment first. I've been listening on since uh you know 5 a.m. Just got on here and rolled over, and you're brilliant. Your passion and um, your expertise is just amazing. I guess my question would be, if you have a wide experience and skill set, and you have your hands in different things, um, do you have any tips on how to kind of um bridge those all together for, for um you know, for passive income or even just for um, your brand? Excellent question.
3: The success in life is about being more than a one trick pony, right? Because if you are the whole circus, you can actually thrive, right? That is my tongue and cheek way of reminding folks that embrace everything you have, right? You're more than just a one dimensional skill to bring it all together, you may not be able to bring all of them together in one line of activity. So carve out. So my tip would be make a list of all the things you love doing and then check off of those things what you're great at because that's where your value proposition is and then look at those skills and see what does the world need that you can serve using those skills and then circle off for each of what the world needs what are the skill sets that you can group up and that's a physical tangible exercise that allows you to take your skill set and your passion and put in different buckets so you're technically brainstorming with yourself to come up with outlines and then see which of those those groups can go together and which of those groups need to be separate.
4: Wow, Wow. Wow. that was phenomenal. phenomenal. Oh Oh. my goodness. That's going to help so many people on here. Thank you so much, Trevor, for allowing me to answer my impromptu question and Dr. Dr. Cass, thank you so much. That helped me leaps and bounds. You have no idea. God bless you.
3: I am so glad and thank you so much for stepping up and asking that question to help everybody.
1: Beautiful, thank you so much, absolutely. I think we've got time for maybe one more and I see a hand raised down there below. I see uh, Ali, Um, good morning, I'm pulling you up right now, Ali. Uh, So there you go, you should have the invite. Go ahead and come up on stage if you got your question ready. Wait a minute, Ali, are you there? All right. Well, while we're waiting for him, if we can just flash our mics, if you've got a question. Flash your mics, flash your mics, flash your mics. All right. Well, I I t-
3: the questions. Question. Oh, there that you go. Of a, I'm clipping the part for my boyfriend. Um, if you're of a certain age, make sure you don't have AOL. I think that is so telling, and I never heard anyone actually say it out loud, but I love that little tip. Or, or Yahoo. No Yahoo. Or either. Yahoo. Even <laughs> Hotmail. Very true. And don't forget that you can get people to give you LinkedIn recommendations and build your LinkedIn profile. And as you get recommendations, don't get recommendations from people of only a certain generation or a certain race. Mix it up. Because if both young and old men and women, you know, native and foreign is engaging with you, then that is telling people that you're an inclusive person who can drive results and you have a larger sphere of influence. It's the subtle things that make a difference.
1: That is huge. That is you, and I love that advice, it's so strong. Uh-oh, we got to echo there. Um, I think we had a question from Marquise. is that right, Dr. Rowe?
2: Yes good morning team uh, Dr. Cass I
1: just want to say thank you I, I think I, I I speak for some people when I say I don't have any questions because my mind is turning there's so much that was dialed out there's so much I need to do and I just want to say thank you
3: oh thank you so much Marquise I appreciate you
1: thank you to uh, Dr. Rowe Dr. Rowe you always bring up Some amazing guests. You you always introduce me to some just awesome, awesome, awesome people, and I'm so excited uh, to meet Dr. Koss. I think it's um, just an amazing subject we've been talking about. You've been dropping the mics all over the stage, and if I had a physical mic, I'd drop it. But I don't want to drop my phone. I'm not going to do that. But I just want to drop the mic for you. You're amazing. You're awesome and thank you for the master class that you have taught us this morning so if i can get everybody to do me a big old big old big old favor number one you need to go follow her okay and that's number one number two okay i want you to unmute your mic right now and let's give a big old breakfast with champions yay yay for dr cos let's go yeah, yeah, thank you yeah, you, yeah,
3: dr. hey